and welcome to episode four. Oh. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'm restarting. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode four of the Nerd Switch podcast. My name is Dylan, and joining me today is my good friend and fellow nerd Jeremiah. Hello again. Hello. So. Halloween, right around the corner. Spooky season. It is spooky time. So this week, I guess you can consider it our Halloween special, if you will. But we today are going to be diving into uh, one of our favorite things as gamers, which, you know, video games are great, video games are fun. But one thing that I love within video games is playing, you know, scary games, especially at this time of year. So, like we said, with it being October, with Halloween being right around the corner, we want to take some time to talk about our favorite horror games from the past and recent years. Uh, you know, just while horror exists in almost every form of media, whether it's like TV, movies, even books, even though I don't read that often. But for me, horror has a really good place to thrive within video games for reasons that we'll kind of get into on this uh, episode here. But we're just going to go through and talk about why we like playing scary games, why we think horror is effective within video games, and then just talking about our favorite horror games. So let's kind of dive into it here. Without uh, further ado, let's go ahead and flip the switch and talk about our favorite horror games. So pose the question when looking at horror video games, and it's, why do we like to scare ourselves? When you look at horror in general, you know, people are usually pretty attracted to going out to see a scary movie, uh, to play a scary game, to read a creepy book, especially in Halloween, because for whatever reason, we like to go out of our way to kind of give ourselves that adrenaline rush and to get ourselves in that kind of... Got to get our thrill-seeking out there, right. okay? So... At the beginning of this episode here, we're going to kind of break down, I think, the hows and whys that is for a lot of people. And, you know, there's a lot of people who go out of their way to avoid getting scared, which is fine. But, you know, I enjoy it. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's fun when you find something that can actually scare you. It's fun when you can actually feel scared. To kind of give you a metaphor, like when you look at getting scared in general, it's pretty similar to the feelings you get riding a roller coaster where, you know... You can consider going up the hill of the climb on the roller coaster as the setup for the scare. You know, you know something's going to happen, whether it be the character walking down a dark hallway and the music kind of tensifies. That's akin to the feeling you get going up the roller coaster where you know it's about to get, you know... Something's about to happen. <laughs> and then, you know, the process of getting scared, whether it's a jump scare or something that just unsettles you, it's usually a pretty brief feeling akin to going down the hill of a roller coaster where you get that adrenaline spike but it doesn't take too long for it to kind of neutralize and you're back to normal but it's that feeling that people kind of seek out when they're trying to get scared just that short little moment you know where you have this high high flash of emotions just fear suspense sitting on the edge of your seat experience right about ready to fall or to be okay so, to get more educational here, let's uh, talk about horror itself. So, if you look up the definition of horror, what you see is that it's a strong feeling of kind of three separate emotions. And what uh, the Google will tell you is horror is like a strong negative feeling of fear, shock, and disgust. 
which, you know, tools that all forms of horror media use, but I want to kind of break it down real quick before we actually talk about how video games kind of implement it and which video games we think implements it well. But shock you can look at as kind of like the jump scare factor, and shock kind of boils down to, you know, two different kinds of scares, whether it's like the anticipated scare, like you know something's going to happen, you know they're about there's about to be something scary on screen or Something's a loud noise. around that corner staring at me. Right. And I know what's coming. And this does pretty much just tie into like, you know, jump scares within movies and games, whether it's audio cuts out, it's really quiet, they're walking towards something, and you pretty much know they're setting up a scare at that point. But then the other half of that is the unanticipated scare. The best one. Yeah, which are my preferred <laughs> Those when they're are used the best well. ones, <laughs> if it's unanticipated. And, uh, you know, there's some good examples of this within movies, but whether it's just like a scare, it's just a scare you're not expecting to happen, but it does happen and is better at catching you off guard as a result. Uh, to tie this in, like, to a video game, even though a lot of people listening probably haven't played everything we're going to talk about, like, one of my favorite scary games is Dead Space 1. And at the very end of the game, you kind of get an unanticipated jump scare where, you know, you think everything's resolved and then the game kind of throws something at you last second, which I guess I won't spoil till later. But, <laughs> you know, just good examples of... Be sure to wait on this, too, because they're going to be doing the new one out, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's going to have some new new forms of jump scares. They're They're really working hard at it to make sure that it's not always going to be something so easily able to be anticipated. Right. So yeah, that's just the shock factor, you know, whether they're scaring you and you know they're going to scare you or you don't expect them to scare you and they do it anyways. But moving on from shock, so the second aspect of the horror definition is... Uh, disgust. Disgust. So disgust also kind of breaks down into two different forms and there's like direct disgust which is where they're you know putting something on screen or putting something like within the text of a book that's meant to either like disturb you or gross you out you know movie example of this would be like the saw franchise that's a lot of direct disgust because you're seeing like just nasty stuff on screen painful experiences that would disgust me <laughs> right but if you look at saw it's also an example of uh the second kind of disgust which is like implied disgust where it's like you're looking at a certain situation and just thinking about it would maybe make you kind of have that feeling like knowing that oh man these guys are being forced into a situation where they kind of have to like pick who dies and stuff like that and that's meant to give you that feeling of disgust without directly showing you anything mm -hmm. so that's kind of how you break down that second part there and a lot of indirect disgust also ties in with like psychological horror kind of like within a video game or a movie where there's a situation where maybe only one character can live and they have to kind of choose who dies you know that feeling of knowing you have that control over the situation can give you that implied disgust as well it's it's kind of comes to that like why we play them you know i feel like we're trying to feel that moment feel that adrenaline rush and it's a controlled environment so it's safe but at the same time you're in this moment making a decision and it has a consequence right and then the last part of breaking down the definition of horror is just fear fear probably the most also good game. yeah <laughs> probably the most general term on there but fear is just like a threat of danger or harm or pain 
you know, watching a movie or playing a game, you're not in any real danger, like you yourself as the viewer or the player or the reader. Um, but it's just the implied sense, you know, whether it's you caring for the character on screen and like being fearful of them getting hurt or anything like that, or more directly in video games when you're kind of the avatar for that person, you know, you're trying to make sure who you're playing as doesn't get hurt. You know, fear just implies... Dying in video games sucks. Yes. So, <laughs> so yeah. That's just kind of how you break down the definition. So the reason we wanted to explain that is because we're going to kind of tie that into the games we talk about. Because some games use aspects of those three terms there pretty well. So we just want to kind of tie it in as we break them down. And then the last kind of educational thing I want to talk about before we get into our, our video game selection here is kind of how Uncanny Valley is used within horror in general. So for those that don't know, Uncanny Valley is the, it's the concept that was introduced by a Japanese roboticist, Masahiro Mori. Masahiro Mori. I believe so. So he had this theory, basically, that was regarding robotics initially, where it's like, you know, the more human-like a robot gets, we, as viewers and consumers of these kinds of things... When we see a robot, you know, when it has more human-like features, it tends to kind of raise our affinity for it, which is like, say, looking at the movie WALL-E, you have this little square robot, but everyone loves it because he's given, like, emotion and everything like that that you can attribute to a human character. So it makes us like it more. And, you know, the more human-like things get, that way we like them more until it gets to a certain point where things are maybe a little too human-like, but you can tell something's obviously off. And that's kind of what Uncanny Valley is. It's that little divot in the chart where things go from being, like, acceptable and fine to us to being more creepy. Uh, some examples of this, if you look at the movie Polar Express, the way that that movie was animated, a lot of people were kind of unsettled by it because it was almost extremely realistic but you can tell with, like, the way it's animated, it doesn't look quite right. It's not all the way quite human. So for some people, that was kind of a, a weird movie to watch. I could see that, but I feel like I... Watching that one, I actually was okay with it. Yeah, I don't think it's, like, too bad. I just know that's <laughs> one of the ones that people bring up a lot when they're that's talking about it. My, my, my guess would have been, like, the new movie coming out, Megan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely... One thing that gets attributed pretty often is, like, dolls, you know, meant her, to her be... Her dance moves are terrifying. Yeah. Uh, that trailer <laughs> looks so dumb. <laughs> yeah, but... Other examples, like, within Uncanny Valley, you'll see, like, corpses, you know, because it's a human, but they're not moving. They're maybe a little more pale, so it's unsettling to us. Um, you know, zombies are often used as an example in that, as well as, like we said, kind of animatronics and things that are... I love are... Call of Duty zombies. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just kind of things that don't look quite right, and that comes into video games a lot, because you see with enemy design, you know, everything's animated, but, for example, like, you know, zombies within Call of Duty zombies, you know, the undead that you're fighting throughout the game are spooky, because they're dead people <laughs> um also uh you know xenomorphs from dead space where they're meant to look human-like but you know they've got the you know, disfigured limbs and kind of weird stuff going on that way i feel like predators another good example for it too just like a a more sh a stronger race 
using high technology mm. and their whole goal is just to hunt you. So yeah, just a, another thing we'll kind of bring up probably as we talk about some of the games we like, just so you guys are familiar with it. But yeah, that aside, I think we're ready to start talking about some of our favorite games here and how they tie into the stuff we just discussed. So what do you have as far as something you want to lead us off on? Well, I figure since we are got our backdrop here, Dead Space. Yeah. Beautiful <laughs> game, full of the uncanny valley of horror where it's the, like, you have these humanoids that are kind of, like, taken over by this alien, what do you call it? Um, I wouldn't call it a virus, but it's like a... It's hard to explain, so... My, my take on it is it's like the flood from Halo. Yeah, kind of. So, to kind of break it down, we will give, like, brief plot intros so you guys just kind of know what we're talking about. But Dead Space is a game that's kind of set within space, you know, as the title implies. The but Dead of Space. <laughs> the, uh, the game focuses on, essentially, a distress call that is sent out from, like, this big space mining ship. Um, I'm trying to remember what they called it. It was, like, a asteroid cracker or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this big ship out in space sends out a distress call, and then you're playing as this engineer who's sent in with a small team to kind of see what's going on, and then it's not too long within the game before you kind of realize, you know, there was some sort of outbreak on the ship, uh, people are turning into what they're calling necromorphs, which are human-like monsters, but they've got, like... Spiky limbs, yeah. <laughs> shoot out little, it's, what are they called, quills? Yeah, it's kind of like a, a parasite, if you will, I think. I definitely, I kind of agree. It's yeah. parasitic, literally, because it consumes the body, uses it for itself, and then also mutates that body right. to suit its needs. But yeah, this is a game that came out, I think it was like clear back in 2008 when the first Dead Space came out. And I remember when I was a kid, I had saw a trailer for Dead Space, and this is when I was like way too young to play anything like this, and I saw the trailer and it freaked me out, and I'm like, yeah, there's no way I'm ever going to play that, <laughs> which is just like kind of funny and ironic now, because it's one of my favorite games like of all time. <laughs> I mean, I can definitely say the same thing for that with like most of the games I play nowadays. <laughs> As a kid, there'd be games that'd be coming out, you've got like the Dead Space games, Resident Evil... Um, even Call of Duty Zombies. I was mm. never really able to play those games as a kid. But yeah. now I love all of them. So. Right. Yeah, that's Dead Space is just a really good example of kind of like the survival horror aspect. So when, when you look at horror within video games, you know, they have to make it scary somehow. And usually it's by limiting the player, either making it so you can't fight back or not giving you a lot of resources. So Dead Space is definitely a survival horror game, but they do give you kind of the tools you need to make it through. Just kind of the resources are more scarce for you as a player. But So you're playing as an engineer, and you're essentially using like engineer tools to take on the necromorphs because you learn in the game like the effective way to fight them is to take off their limbs. So the guns you have, like the plasma cutter, which is one of my favorite like video game weapons. It is a really cool weapon. <laughs> it essentially just shoots a line of energy that's kind of, you know, meant to cut steel or whatever. But, you know, with the necromorphs, it works perfectly for like shooting off their legs and arms and stuff. Cut the limbs off. That's your first instruction in the game, too, as soon as you pick up the laser. Yeah, like as things are happening across the ship, you get the 
the comms announcement. It's like this this <laughs> this one's more the iconic. Like as soon as you're picking up the weapon, it's written on the wall itself. Yeah. Cut off their limbs. Right. And I feel like that's always been like an iconic message from this game for mm-hmm. how long it's been out, for how many people that have played it. Mm-hmm. That's like your go-to. It's like this is a horror game. You're given an instruction. It's given in a like disgust way and then now you're like okay i have a i have a weakness for them yeah gives you that little bit of security you know this like it's a horror game but you have ways to deal with it in the situation way better than a horror movie where they make horrible decisions all the time (laughs) yeah and it it's definitely a game that like it gives you the (laughs) tools you need to make it through but it never makes it feel like a easygoing experience you know that's what i really like about them now yeah, and, you know, Dead Space 1 was so successful that it spawned off two sequels as well as, like, a, a spin-off, a couple spin-off movies, I think. I only saw yeah. one of them. I know they got a few animated movies. Yeah. Um, some of which were pretty good. I liked some of them. Yeah, I liked the first one I saw. Yeah. Now we're also getting the remake for the game, and I'm super excited for it. That's right. Yeah, at this time, I think it's uh, January 2023, we're getting the remake of Dead Space 1, which from clear back in 2008, it's cool to see it come back in kind of the modern time, and I'm excited to see what they do with it for sure. What I've heard about it so far is great things are coming for this game. I'm really excited. (laughs) It's going to take away like the one playthrough, always going to be the same. It's going to change throughout your playthroughs. And that's such a great feature for these kinds of games. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, one thing I've just always loved about Dead Space is, like, the environments the game uses are really cool. You're on a space station, essentially, so it's a cramped environment. But the way the game kind of sets it up, because when you arrive on the ship, like, things have already gone horribly wrong. So, like, you know, whether it's the blood on the walls or the people that are left that are going crazy... And of course, like the necromorphs just going throughout the ship, you know, the way the game sets up its environments and its enemy design is just really good. They did a really good job because it's, you're on like this destroyed ship, like the ship has been kind of overtaken by the necromorphs. Mm -hmm. A lot of the crew is dead. It definitely shows the crew everywhere. Yeah. On the floor, (laughs) the walls, the ceiling. I remember <laughs> the ceiling. <laughs> it does. I remember uh, one one scene in the game early on where you walk down a hall and you just hear this kind of thudding far away. And as you get closer, you see this dude standing at the end of the hallway who's just like banging his head against the wall, yep. nonstop. And that for me, because like when I first played this game, like that gave me chills just seeing that kind of thing. That's just how effective they make everything within the game. And as much as I love Dead Space One, for me. I think the sequel tops it. Um, Dead Space 2, I think, is very good. Because Dead Space 1 is kind of all in on the survival horror. But Dead Space 2 had a unique balance of kind of the horror as well as a more action side. Um, Is that one you played? Did you play I have not gotten to it yet. Oh, okay. (laughs) I really need to. It is on my to-do list, that is for sure. (laughs) Maybe we'll get a remake of the second one if the first one's remake does good. Everyone, get the first remake so you can play the second remake. (laughs) Yeah, but Dead Space 2 is probably in my top 10 in general with video games. It's one I just really enjoyed. Um, That one, you're not so much on like a singular ship. You're actually on like an actual large space station where you've got 
civilian stuff going on there, like mm -hmm. early on in the game, you know, you're still playing as the same character, but now you've got kind of a dementia thing going on because of the effects of the first game. There's this relic in the first game, game called the Marker, which is kind of the artifact that is explained as being responsible for turning uh, the people into necromorphs. Mm -hmm. And your main character, Isaac, is left kind of scarred from his involvement with the first game. So the second game does a really good job of kind of using psychological horror because you actually hallucinate a lot throughout the game. That's actually always a really cool thing to do. Right. And yeah, I won't get into it too much because, you know, you haven't played it. I don't want to ruin it for you, but if you ever do play it. <laughs> oh, what are we talking about? I'm already kind of forgetting it, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to watch our podcast, listen to our podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, Dead Space 3, not so much. That's the one that kind of fell off for a lot of people. Cause I think they, it's pretty action-y, I feel, more yeah, than horror. They shifted it a lot more to the action side, to where the horror is definitely sidelined. And they made it co-op as well, which does make it fun to play with a friend, but just comparing it to the first and second game, it's definitely kind of the, the black sheep of the bunch. <laughs> See, and that's one thing, too, like... Out of the many games that are co-op, that's a game that I feel like has done it right yeah. in co-op form. But then it's one of those games I feel also kind of doesn't need it right. because this game takes place in a horror aspect. Mm -hmm. You're wanting to... You're alone. If you're yeah. with a friend, you're going to be a little less scared. Right. And Yeah, that's one thing that works so well for horror within video games in general is just kind of the isolation factor. They force you into situations where you're doing stuff by yourself, but they often do give you like a brief reprieve where they're like, okay, here's someone that's with you for the time being. But Dead Space 2, or sorry, Dead Space 3 gives you someone the whole time and it definitely takes away a lot of what would make it scary. Not as big of a fan. I still think it's a fun game, but meh. <laughs> um, one that I kind of want to bring up, so... Probably hasn't really come up on the show too much, but I'm a massive fan of Ridley Scott's Alien. Uh, whether it's the first one, the second one... The movies? Yeah. Okay. Uh, not so much Alien 3 and 4, but I was a fan of like Prometheus and Alien Covenant. Those were good movies. I did like them. And I liked <laughs> uh, the original Alien movies as well. Yeah, I... The first Alien movie is one of my... like. Probably top five movies of all time. I've got a whole shelf in my yeah. living room dedicated to it. <laughs> I never would have guessed coming over all the time. Right. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, so back in October of 2014, we actually got a video game for Alien. A better video game, at least, than the ones we've gotten before. But Alien Isolation, which is... Also a game that's kind of up in my upper echelons. I know you maybe don't that, like no, it as much. That, that game actually is good. I was thinking of a different game. Oh, okay. I was thinking of aliens like Colonial Marines oh, yeah, and yeah. those games. Those <laughs> games I don't like. No. But Alien Isolation, that is a good game. I've only played it a few times, but what I haven't played, it was fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just Alien Isolation I look at as kind of a love letter to the fans of the first Alien movie. Um it's a really good way to kind of take everything that works for the movie and put it into a game. And it just pays homage to it really well. It's very much survival horror. You know, you're not given a lot in the terms of weapons to actually fight the alien. Uh, you do have to kind of deal with humans as well as the synthetics on the ship. 
which is not as bad. You've got the weapons for them, but when the actual Xenomorph shows up, you're kind of helpless as a player, and you're forced to more kind of hide and maneuver around it. And I love the way the game implements like the AI for the alien. And it just makes it a really good experience and kind of spooky that way. But yeah, it's it's one of my favorites. I think it's really good as like an alien video game. One I yeah. highly recommend. Yeah, it was definitely one that I would recommend as well. I haven't gotten to play it as much. I definitely want to play more of it. Hmm. But for the like development of the game, it's really good at focusing on the fans like fear and the the shock effects going after them yeah. the ai they use to build the xenomorph in the game is incredible super impressive yeah so the way that that works with the actual xenomorph is nothing is well okay mostly it's not scripted as an experience the alien is kind of set free to roam the ship but it'll be attracted to your actions as a player whether it's like you Hitting a synthetic with your wrench or making noise opening a door or knocking something over, it will attract the alien to your position. And there's just times in the games where you'll be going through a door or you'll be trying to get an elevator open and you'll hear it drop down into the room with you and it just makes it a really tense experience. So definitely check it out if you haven't, if you like Alien, if you like horror games. It's probably, for me, the best example of turning a movie property into a horror game. Yeah, they did really well <clears throat> For our other game, we can do Resident Evil. Okay. The series of Resident Evil is a good <laughs> go-to. There's tons of it in there. Um, definitely more of a horror fan, though, for the latest two games, of 7 and 8. Mm-hmm. I do like a lot of the remakes, with like 2 being pretty good. 3 was an okay one-time, yeah. couple-time playthrough. <laughs> But 2 had a good aspect as well, kind of similar, but you could do a lot more than Isolation, whereas you still have that monster coming around chasing you. Yeah, to kind of break it down, Resident Evil is very much a series kind of focused on like zombies and viruses. Um, Not always zombies, as you see in some games. Like in Resident Evil 4, it's more like a plague or a parasite. It's another parasitic. It's... um, what do they call it? Bioweapons. Yeah, it's... They're doing their own experiments, and it's getting mm-hmm. out of hand. Yeah, so you've got, like, the big, big bad corporation with Umbrella, which is kind of responsible for creating the outbreaks in the early games, as well as driving a lot of the further developments with, like, the viruses you see throughout the games. Um, it's a long-running series. The first Resident Evil came out a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Very long. Very long. But yeah, we're all the way up to like Resident Evil 7 and 8, and 8's not even technically the 8th game in the series because there's been a lot of, you know, side games, and it's just been an extremely successful video game series sales-wise to the fact that it's still running strong today and people are still excited for its entries that are coming out. But there was a point in time where people kind of were falling off, and that's very much after Resident Evil 4. Um, like, 5 and 6, fans didn't really yeah, love. Yeah, 5 and 6 kind of went downhill. It, 4 was their top yeah. game. It kind of had the same problem Dead Space 3 has with 5 and 6 within Resident Evil. It's just they went way more on the action side. Uh, they made 5 a... I think 5 and 6 were both mm-hmm. co-op games. 
So yeah, just they weren't very scary. It's much more action, just guns blazing, guns shooting blazing. down, you know. <laughs> but they came, they came back. Yeah, so that's where I I agree with you. Like my two favorite games in the whole series is seven and eight because they kind of revamped everything. Um, it's the first time you're getting the first person's perspective within Resident Evil it's as well. A new, it's new character, another story, mm-hmm. and they continued that story, and I feel like they did really well with that. Like, right. I really enjoyed Ethan Winter's story. Yeah, so within Resident Evil 7, uh, you you do play as Ethan Winters, and very early on, you get a contact from your... Wife. Wife or fiancé. One of those. Wife. (laughs) Where... You were married, she had her job, and she was gone. She disappeared for four years. I think so. You haven't heard from her since, and then one day you get another message from her saying, this is where she is, come save me, or come find me. Mm-hmm. And you're sent into the bayou of a location. Yeah, so he, uh, in the opening of the game, drives to Dolby, Louisiana, where it takes place, and you go to kind of this big house where, you know, you receive the transmission from, and very early on, you're realizing that she's kind of being held by the Baker family, which kind of, for me, pays a lot of homage to movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where you've got the family that's very odd and kind of Backlit scary. Backlit almost. <laughs> They're, they look like an, an average family, but they've got a really <laughs> bad side to them. Yeah. So you can tell something's definitely going on, and like as you play the game, you realize there's a bioweapon there, and you kind of realize that your wife was actually a part of... Like, you didn't know what her job actually was here, but she was there to get this bioweapon. I think she was, like, just escorting it. She was kind of like um, the... Think of, like, a nanny in this case. Yeah. She was a keeper of this bioweapon. Yeah, so the bioweapon in this game, like, her name is Evelyn. She's just a child in the game, but she has this ability to infect those around her, which you find out in the game. They call it the mold, where people become these, like, globby monster things. And, you know, the ship they're escorting the uh, Evelyn or the bioweapon on, like, goes down in the bayou. Evelyn ends up taking over the Baker family and makes them these, like, monstrous versions of themselves. And that's what, for me, worked so well in the early parts of Resident Evil 7, is you're just forced to hide and maneuver around the family, which for me made it a lot more scary compared to the second half of the game where you're more, like, guns loose, just shooting the globby monsters. (laughs) Very true, because once you play long enough, you find a lot of weapons lying around, craft some uh, Mm. survivable items, and... In the um, start of it, though, yeah, you don't start with anything. You're just there. You have a small light, I guess, and you're walking around. Yeah, you get, like, a pocket knife and not much else, and you're, like, forced into a very early confrontation with Jack Baker where you just have to run and hide from him. Run him over with the car. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, nice ride, Ethan. (laughs) Let me take it for a speed. (laughs) Uh, For me... Easily kind of the most, like, intense and scary boss fight in that game was the wife, uh, Marguerite Baker. So creepy. Yeah, she, She, like, gets... She's kind of like a spider, and it's really gross, and she's crawling around. She's gross. Yeah, (laughs) it honestly adds all forms. Like, you've got shock, disgust, Mm -hmm. and then you're just fearful the entire time because you're in this dark, 
garden. Uh, it's like a greenhouse. greenhouse. Yeah, it's yeah. like a dark, uh, very low light greenhouse. And she's crawling around through the walls, ceilings, <laughs> sending these nasty bugs at you. And right. Yeah, the game uses a lot of the disgust factor. Like even early on in the game you're knocked out and brought oh, into yeah. this like family dinner with all of them and they're eating like really gross yeah they're eating <laughs> weird molded <laughs> food and bugs and it kind of looks like intestines or whatever but yeah it looks gross they're like trying to force feed you it and yeah just a lot of with uh, direct disgust that way <laughs> they definitely did a lot for it it was great how yeah. much like they put into it the detail the yeah. story for it that it all like connects together still yeah and i don't know about you but for me one of the things that works really well for like getting me scared in a video game is being chased yes and like in a situation where especially you can't fight back but that's one thing this game takes advantage of with uh jack baker is like you're just running from him you can't really fight him and if he gets you you know that's where that fear factor comes in because you are afraid of getting hurt and killed by his character and it does happen a lot. It kind of really puts (laughs) you in that situation where you're just like, I need to get away. But if you're grabbed, you know, you're you're fearful. You're feeling it. (laughs) And you're like terrified. But then you, if you die, then you're like, damn it, now I gotta do it all over again. (laughs) That's one thing Resident Evil's kind of well known for is while you have all the enemies you can kind of shoot down and aren't too bad, they usually throw in an enemy or two that you can't really fight directly. You more just kind of have to run from them. Um, like Mr. X in the Resident Evil 2 remake. Yeah, all you could do. Like, you could stun him here and there, but for the most part, he is something that just is a immovable object, I guess. They, they come at you as much as they can. You can find safe rooms, or mm-hmm. you can try and get get away from them, juke them, train them. Yeah, you could, like, do stuff to slow them down, but I just remember playing that game. Like, I'd be searching an area, and then you just start to hear those stomping footsteps. I'm like, oh, God, here he comes again. <laughs> here he comes again. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and there's other examples, too, like Nemesis and Resident Evil 3, or uh, the Regenerators in Resident Evil 4. The aesthetic for Resident Evil 7 was really good, too. Yeah. Just this massive bayou, and then you've got this incredibly sized house for the Baker family, Mm -hmm. and you have to explore all of it. And it's I love the idea of, like, the puzzles, the secrets. Right. And then you can, like, learn more about the story of it there and what happened. That, and I think moving it to a first-person perspective really did a lot for the game as well. Traditionally, Resident Evil has been, like, over-the-shoulder third-person. Always person, been a third-person, but or, I definitely feel horror is better in first-person. Yeah. Um, even the earlier games had, like, a fixed camera angle, kind of like you're watching them go down a hallway, and it, it's like you're looking at them through a security camera that would be in that hallway, which... is terrible. Yeah. I wasn't a huge <laughs> fan. Kind of disorienting when you're going, like, room to room. I I didn't grow up with it. I had it at my age, but, again, I didn't play that at that time. So that wasn't kind of my thing. I definitely grew up more with a third-person or first-person point of view. Yeah. And definitely enjoyed it more. I do agree putting it in first-person does a lot to kind of heighten the immersion and making the game more scary. Because, you know, like, when you're watching a movie, you're just basically a spectator to the person. 
you're judging their actions rather than really taking part in them. Yeah. But when you're forced into the perspective of the player in the game, you're making those decisions. You're opening the closet. You're going down the dark hallway. And it heightens that immersion and makes it more scary as a result because, you know, you're getting scared as a result of your actions rather than judging the actor in the movie or whatever for the actions they make. Getting to that first person, you're, you're really feeling like you are this character. You are ta- you're like going through what they're going through. Um, you experience that. There's a lot of like psychological things with horror movies like the uh, Phantom Limb or Phantom Insect where you see bugs on the screen and you might start feeling like you've got bugs crawling on you. I really feel like first person gives you that effect as well. Mm -hmm. You're watching your character get his hand cut off. You're now losing a hand, you know, (laughs) like it's, you're feeling a part of it. And when they put it back on with some magical rub, you know, the goop juice, the goop juice, (laughs) you know, then you're just like, Oh, I'm okay now. My hand's okay. Right. But it's super great to experience those moments where you're just like being chased or you're having to, fight your way through some horde of monster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so those are just some really good examples of video games that, like, they do kind of give you a fighting chance within the game. You know, there is gunplay. You are able to fend off what's coming after you. There are a few that don't. Right. And those are some really fun ones, too. So, yeah, let's let's talk about a couple of games that do not empower you as a player and Mm -hmm. force you more into, like, the hide-and-survive aspect. So for me, some games that did this really well are from the developer Bloober team, which, for those who don't know, their games are kind of lesser known, but games like Layers of Fear, Observer, Blair Witch, and excitingly, they're actually doing the remake for Silent Hill 2 now as well, which will be coming out in the next like year or two, I think. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping <laughs> it comes out soon. I'm super excited for the new Silent Hill. It literally just got announced, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't be more excited. They look so much fun. The style we're in now, where we have so much better hardware to just make the game look better. Yeah, that's so I never played any of the Silent Hill games. I've always been interested, but for me... I've seen a good amount of them. Yeah, it's just like for me they're they're pretty old games at this point in time and like the gameplay probably doesn't hold up as well as it would with something that would be coming out today. So I never went back to play them just cuz that's more of like a larger barrier for me with like the old style gameplay, the really old graphics. So to see that it's getting a modern time remake is pretty exciting and you know, I finally get to play the game that right. I've always been like curious to play, but <laughs> but yeah, so like with uh, Layers of Fear, like, these are games that are very much more on, like, the psychological horror side. Even games like uh, PT, the the playable trailer or pay- playable teaser for Silent Hill yep. that sadly never became a full project because the developer kind of separated from the team they were on. Still super popular game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I never got to play it, sadly. I've played, like... <laughs> renders for it where they're like similar games like um dying light had a uh, custom map someone had designed where it's very similar where you're just going in that circle going through and everything (laughs) keeps changing around you so yeah to, to kind of expand on it so psychological horror differs from survival horror in the sense that you know you're not engaging in combat in the game 
you're just the player experiencing a story that's meant to kind of mess with your mind a little bit. Kind of like both Layers of Fear and PT deal with kind of you moving through an environment that's constantly changing. Like you might turn around and a door that was there might be gone. Uh, stuff shifting and kind of being weird like that. Um, they do often feature something scary. Like PT has the, the mother figure or ghost, if you will, that torments you as you're trying to navigate through that hallway over and over again. And, like, for me, psychological horror is a lot more scary because, like, yes, you can't fight back. You know, you're experiencing the story most often in a first-person point of view. And it's really good at just being scary because it might be, like, you're navigating through an abandoned house or something scary that way. It might be ghosts. Have you played anything quite like that? or I've gotten to play a few of them. I've gotten to kind of look at a little bit of Layers of Fear. Uh, I played a bit of uh, Blair Witch. Which was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, had to try a couple times for it to work, but it worked eventually. <laughs> but games like that, those are a lot of fun to kind of go through to experience just like the psychological horror, like the Dying Light one. It's a small mode, but it's it's all based on like sound and effect. You're walking around, you, you're constantly going down is what it is. Is that you, you start going down some stairs, you enter into a hallway... And it's like a, a room. So you come around to a left corner mm-hmm. and you go to another hallway. There's the bathroom door. It's locked. Then you go to this like open living room space and you can keep going right again and you just repeat and it keeps changing over and over again. You're always in the same room, right? but it's like stuff keeps changing as, as you keep progressing. Yeah, the games go out of their way to just kind of mess with you because, like, you'll notice, like, I was just here in the same hallway. You know, things might not look quite the same. And especially with, like, Layers of Fear, Blair Witch, and Observer, they are very much like walking simulators. Like, the game is just intended for you to walk through and experience the story. So for those who kind of want a more engaging aspect to the gameplay with, like, combat or survival that way, might not be exactly what you want from a horror game, but for me... These games are really good at setting up their story and using that immersion just to make them a more scary experience. Another game that's not part of Bloober but has like a good story aspect is Outlast. Yeah. So Outlast is one of the early really good examples of forcing you into a situation where you can't fight back. And even Alien Isolation was based on the gameplay that you get from Outlast. But basically with Outlast, like you're just a a reporter who's sent to this mental asylum to check it out and report on what's going on in there. there? (laughs) So early on in the game, you're at this, what appears to be abandoned building and you're looking for a way in, you know, you climb up through a window and the game just starts from there with you exploring the asylum. But very early on, you realize you're disgusted very quickly. (laughs) Patients are still there. You're walking through the environment and it's not long before you're introduced to, uh, one of the main monsters who does chase you throughout the whole game. And you never get to fight back. You always just have to hide or... (laughs) Hide, run, and find the exit as fast as possible. And one thing that was really cool that that game did is it gives you, like, this video recorder so you can capture footage. But it relies on batteries that you have to find throughout the environment. So if you're not careful and if you're not managing your resources, you could end up with a part of the game where you essentially are just kind of in darkness and can't yeah, see. Yeah, because you not only use like the camcorder as like your 
idea of why you're there is to record, mm-hmm. but then it's also using the night vision from the camera. Yeah, and like, that's how you can see in the dark to get around to like see the spaces that are would otherwise be hard to find right. if you don't have this light source. Yeah, and that's where the game just does a good job of making everything scary. Because, like, yeah, the patients are scary. The things that are chasing you are scary, but... And grotesque. (laughs) The game manages to make something as simple as a a dying battery scary. You know, if you're like, oh my god, my camera's about to die, I'm not going to be able to see. That suddenly becomes your biggest concern, and that becomes something to be afraid of when you see your battery go into the red in that game. But yeah, that's just another example of good survival horror that doesn't empower the player, which for me makes it more scary. Outlast 2 also kind of does the same thing, just continues that story. Continues the story for the first um, new area, new new fears to experience. Yeah, and just different enemies chasing you around. And And you really get to learn how weird backwards people leave batteries just kind of lying around. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they do leave a lot of batteries just kind of in the environment but you know you need them for the game so um another one that i actually never finished but it was a really good example of kind of a psychological horror game and this is visage which visage was actually created to be like a inspired complete game from silent hill pt you know the game that we never actually got Mm -hmm. we just got that playable teaser for it But Visage gives you a full game with that same sort of gameplay principle where it's you're just going through a house trying to solve puzzles and complete the story. But Visage kind of uniquely sets up three different stories within the same house that you'll experience. Uh, The one I... Yeah, three or four. I don't... I never finished the game because it was pretty scary even for me. But I remember the one I did do, you're essentially figuring out the story of this, like, older lady that lived in the house. But as you're doing it, she's there actively, like, watching you, haunting you. And there's just so many parts. Like, I remember uh, one part, you would randomly turn around and just around the corner you would see her kind of peeking at you. And then as soon as you notice her, she would, like, disappear But just stuff like that kind of freaked me out because it wasn't scripted. Like, it's completely random when you would see it happen. And the game just does a really good job of setting up those scares. And that's like an example of an unanticipated jump scare Mm -hmm. or, like, unanticipated shock that worked really well for that game. And, you know, it's... For as experienced I am with, like, horror movies and horror games, it's rare for me not to want to play a game because of how scary it is. But for me, Visage is one of the examples of a game that was a little too intense for me to kind of power through it but it's really good <laughs> yeah, i got to play a little bit of it and i was really liking it. i like the idea the puzzles again mm-hmm. it's something where you just have to kind of like wander around you didn't really get like weapons but you could yeah. use things to like your advantage to like get through the house and solve the puzzles it was right. a lot of fun i was enjoying it spooky <laughs> needed to play more of it but they took it off xbox Game uh. <laughs> Rude. Gotcha. <laughs> I guess if there's another game kind of not really horror, but horror subject, a game that I really enjoyed was Bloodborne. Um, it's not a horror game, as we know. It mm. is definitely a, a Souls game, Dark Souls. Right. And FromSoft uh, designed their this game, but it is one of their top games. And this game itself is the idea of dwelling into madness. 
the further you progress into the game, the more everything keeps changing around you. Everything gets altered to these mutated creatures, to a more HP Lovecraft style of horror. Right, yeah, I was going to say it seems very like Lovecraftian expired, (laughs) inspired, where your enemy design is just kind of like these grotesque, monstrous things, whether it be like werewolves or you've got like the werewolves that are normal at first mm-hmm. but like see the monsters they're all like infected they're turning into beasts but then as you further progress into it they even change from those forms into something like more grotesque they're bone and flesh melded together to form a beast right or they have like a million eyes and are like alien looking they just they did a lot of fun stuff for it that i really enjoyed Learning all about the lore for the game, exploring how like how madness works, and the idea of uh, the whole game is based on you collecting what they call intelligence. They have these little markers around where you just kind of gain intelligence, and it's the idea that the smarter you are, the further into madness you can go. Okay, yeah, that's one thing we didn't we didn't touch too much on. Kind of, uh, I don't know if you ever played, like, Amnesia. I didn't get to play a lot of it. Yeah, that's one of the more, like, old-school horror games. Yeah. Um, popular, popular, oh my god. Popular? Popularized by, uh, YouTubers like PewDiePie and kind of Markiplier, where it's a, it's more of a psychological horror game, but Amnesia introduced this thing called Insanity, where basically, like, the more time you spend alone and in the dark in the game, kind of the more unstable your uh, character becomes. It's where you'll start hallucinating or seeing more of the monsters. And that's something introduced in Amnesia that went on to inspire a lot of the same things in other games. Like, uh, the game we mentioned, Visage, uses a lot of the same kind of principle, where the more time you're in darkness, the more you start to see the ghosts within the house and kind of get those, like, Weird audio effects, hallucinations, stuff like that. So just kind of cool stuff video games do that go out of their way to immerse you and scare you just that little bit more, you know? The changing of the world is always a really cool thing for me. To, mm-hmm. like, to have this basic world plunge into a dark, monstrous world mm-hmm. is always really interesting to me, too. The, the change that it brings to the game, the effect it has, it's, it's really cool to, like, explore it and right. see like because these are all like something we might not we will never go through you know so the experience of it is why i feel like we really enjoy a lot of like people that play horror games like to play them you're experiencing this otherworldly horror aspect that you would never have to experience mm-hmm. and that you get to run through this and right try to survive and it's just rewarding, too, because you'll definitely have those sequences, like in Dead Space or in Outlast, where you're in a tense situation, but when you overcome it and move on, like, one thing I loved in Dead Space is it breaks down, like, chapter to chapter, but at the end of every chapter, you go to, like, the the ship's sort of tram. Yeah. yeah, and that's your brief moment of reprieve. Like, you just completed a chapter, you got something stressful or scary out of the way, And you get on that tram and you, like, you get to breathe for a second. And, like, it's just, even though the game's not physically rewarding you with anything, it feels rewarding because you know you're making progress. 
So that's just something I think horror games do really well in general. And even just stories within horror games are often really good comparable to other things you see within movies and just normal video games. I feel like, yeah, I feel like a lot of detail can go into is what kind of like makes horror such a, a great mm. genre is that there's just so much more detail into it. Right. Movie wise, you get like the great, you get more detail on the monster character or the, the killer. But then, of course, you're movie characters are making stupid decisions so that the monster can kill them pretty easily right but in video games you're the one making those decisions mm -hmm. and sometimes you have to make that stupid decision to progress right. the game yeah and it's just even looking at movies like your typical horror movie hour and a half to two hours rarely will you see a horror movie go beyond that two hour limit yeah um but a video game, you know, you'll be spending like 8 to 12 hours with that character in that game. So it really gives you time to flesh out their story. And for me, it's quite effective. Like Dead Space is probably a 12-hour experience. And you think you have three games to go through. Yeah. Well, that's even just for the first game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got 12 hours for number one. You've got two more to go through right. and have fun. <laughs> and you would think you'd get sick of it. Like, you know, just navigating through the ship, dealing with necromorphs, repairing parts of the ship so you can escape. But the way the game sets up its story, like, you're finding out more and more as you move through the ship as far as, like, what happened or what has caused these events to kind of transpire. And horror within video games uses that really well to where you're engaged with that story despite it being a really long runtime for the horror experience. And it's just engaging and stories get really fleshed out, kind of like how, you know, look at TV examples of horror, like maybe Haunting of Hill House. Uh, did you watch that series? or? I think I did. Okay. There, I know I watched one that was on Netflix that came out um, a couple years ago. Yeah. I don't remember what it was called, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like people would probably argue that horror works best with these short experiences because, you know, you're there for the adrenaline rush that getting scared gives you. But for me, the stories you get within horror experiences are really what makes it worthwhile to experience. So like Haunting of Hill House is this whole series where you're really fleshing out its characters. And that's one thing you kind of get people complaining about with horror movies is you know the characters are just there to be killed often you get the really unlikable people early on and you're like oh yeah this guy's a dick i know he's gonna die yeah <laughs> pretty easy to call out i feel like for those movies you're just we're just there to watch as the killer kills them you know right. whatever monster is gonna kill them we get to watch a gruesome kill yeah and, like, while that's fun within a lot of horror media, I just really like it when they take the time to make you care about the characters and what yeah. they're doing. And, you know, like, Haunting of Hill House, really good example of making you love each and every one of the characters within that story. And it just ties into video games, where the more time you're spending with the character and the environment and the story, the more you kind of like and care about what happens to them. Especially when you're driving that character's actions. Like, you know, you're the one who's behind the wheel progressing the story, even though you're not in any physical danger. You know, you feel that connection to the character, though. No, nah, you're in real <laughs> physical danger. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that is the bulk of the games. I mean, there's a ton of horror there's games. There's some really good games out there. <laughs> like, a few small lists, I guess. 
that I always that I had kind of put together mm-hmm. for like small games was like the Left 4 Dead series mm-hmm. was super good. It's that chase aspect. You have to get from one point to the other. You can play with friends, and it can still have that horror aspect though, because you can be surrounded and separated from your friends. Right. Um, then you've got games like the Dying Light series. Huge zombie fan for most games. Um, there, I love the idea of like crafting crazy <laughs> weapons to fight off a horde of zombies. Yeah, Dying Light is like parkour zombie Par- simulator. <laughs> it's the best traversal like video game in my opinion to just parkour across the map mm-hmm. and then to be chased by zombies that are also parkouring. It's kind of fun. Yeah, what I really loved about Dying Light too was its system with like daytime and nighttime. Mm. So, like, daytime, you know, normal zombies, you're not in that much danger. But if you're out at night, there's this, like, alteration of a zombie that you won't see in the daytime because they can't be out in the sunlight. But it's way more dangerous to go out at night, which, you know, as a player, you just be like, well, I just won't go out at night. But the game sets it up to where you're rewarded for going out at night. You're rewarded more. Sometimes it's actually required for some of the missions to do Mm -hmm. it at night. And you get more rewards for doing it. So it's like, it's that give and take. Right. And it's the pressure of it, too, that makes it so much fun. (laughs) Um, My first game that got me into horror was The Slenderman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, That was definitely my first experience with, like, (laughs) some real horror game, I feel. Yeah, those Um, are the more, like, brief experiences. Like, Slender in the Eight Pages is probably a game a lot of people have played i would imagine i would imagine so i mean this was like super popular when i was a sophomore in high school yeah. so that was like 2015 or 2013 2014 yeah so around 2014 i feel like horror games were still around but i feel like they got even more popular mm-hmm. towards the around that time period yeah, and whether it's, like, shorter games... Because, like, Slenderman is more geared towards kind of just the shock factor. You know, you get yeah. scared when he pops up or you have to run away from him. Because, it's again, it's that chase factor, in my opinion. Right. And it's the more pages you collect, the, the more, like, uh, aggro he becomes. So he mm-hmm. starts coming after you more and more. He gets closer to you. Yeah. Um, and this is, of course, like the original one, not like the console version. Mm. So this was the one where you only could do like the eight-page finding. Right. And that's the one that I, I really got. I enjoyed. It was fun. Yeah, it's in, that's what's just so great about like horror within video games is you can take an extremely simple premise, like just wandering through the woods, finding eight pages, and then you win. But it, it's just the fact that you know the Slender Man is there you know, watching you, trying to get you the whole time, it makes that simple, short, and sweet concept, you know, still scary. And other games kind of do the same effect, like Five Nights at Freddy's that started off as a very simple game, due to its popularity, kind of blew up to be this whole franchise. Massive franchise for it. <laughs> Even though it's essentially just jump scares. You know, that game, you're just monitoring camera feeds, waiting for something to pop out and scare you. Pretty much, yeah. Great game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it works. You know, yeah. if, you, if you want a short experience that'll just give you that kind of adrenaline rush that those jump scares give you, like, it's a, still a good game to play. A second one for that would be, or another game like it, would be Phasmophobia. Oh, yeah. That game, like, when it first came out, loved it. Because it was just this 
you're a ghost hunter. You go into a house and you have to find out what ghost it is. And the ghost is active. He, the ghost will like throw plates and cups around, knocking stuff over. If there's a car <laughs> on the map, it activates the car alarm to go off. Right. You're, it, it kind of breathes in your ear and it like, then you have like the heartbeat feature for yourself. So you're hearing your heartbeat when you're scared. Yeah. That, so Super like for, immersive. for me personally with horror games, I usually prefer like those like single player experiences, I don't typically go out of my way for, like, the cooperative stuff, but Phasmophobia, I think, is, for me at least, the best example of using that cooperative play because you are a team of ghost hunters. You can have the one guy, like, staying in the van outside of the house, you know, monitoring the cameras, everything like that, but I love how that game will, like, just force you into those scary situations where, like, there'll be a lockdown, you can't yeah, leave the house. Yeah, as soon as it starts, like, hunting you, you're, <laughs> you're stuck in that house, and, like... It'll even close the door in front of you, and you're just like, no. I remember playing with friends. Like, I typically liked to be kind of the guy in the van keeping an eye on everything. I know you do. (laughs) (laughs) And it would go into lockdown, and you just hear them start screaming, and I'm just chilling out in the van like, ah. Look at them all getting killed. He's just watching our, like, head cams. We're just, like, freaking out and panicking or hiding in the closet. He's just like, are you guys alive in there? (laughs) Yeah, that that one, that game works so well because, like, it is a lot of fun to play. Like, you are having fun with your friends, but it also just can be genuinely scary when, you know, you get separated, maybe everyone's getting out of the house, but then you get stuck when the ghost starts to hunt you. And you yeah, what to... you do is you send your friend, that's the guy in the truck, you send him in there, say you're going with him, and then just close the door behind him. <laughs> or go in with them, say the ghost's name a ton so it gets pissed, and then close the door behind him. Yeah, that's one game that implemented some cool features. Like, you know, you have to wear a headset to communicate with the friends you're playing with. You can actually talk with your friends, and the ghost can hear your voice. (laughs) Um, It's a game where it's like, if it's hunting, you have to be quiet. Like, if you're not quiet, it's going to know where you are. Yeah, so that's a really cool example of implementing, like, actual real-world stuff with you as a player. Imagine that with, like, your alien isolation, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's like you have to wear a headset. Yeah, there was a setting in isolation where, like, you could choose to have the headset and have it pick up the audio. So, like, if you cough or just sneeze out of nowhere, like, the xenomorph's gonna know and it'll pop up. I hear you sneezing over here. You got that COVID? (laughs) You got that COVID? (laughs) So yeah, just some really cool stuff you kind of see. And I'm glad you brought that game up because that is a really good one to talk about as far as cooperative play and using some cool features that way. I guess another game I really enjoyed was The Forest, which um, adds a little bit more to horror because you also have now a survival factor to where you have like food and water, the health bar, right. you're, you're trying to survive like on an island, um, you lost your son is like the story is that you crash land on a plane with like you were on a plane, it crashes on this island, a man dressed in red like paint comes onto the plane and kidnaps your son. You are left alive, and you have to survive. It's like a survival game. You're cutting down the trees to build log cabins or fortresses. Um, you have to go and craft weapons or go out into the island and find weapons. Now, not only do you have 
your survival features, but then you have this cannibalistic tribe living on the island that they come out of nowhere sometimes. They either are super quiet, you'll be minding your own business, cutting down a tree, working on your house, or building a wall, and they're just going to come sneak up right on you and screech in your <laughs> ear, you know? They right. just come right at you. Then even as you progress further, you've got, like, caves to go through that are pitch black, and you've got mutated creatures living there. They're all arms or all legs, and they're just walking around, and it's pitch black, and these things, like, you might throw your torch over and be like, okay, here, it's clear. And then out of the darkness, you're just going to see this thing with, like, 50 legs crawling <laughs> towards you, and it's horrifying. Right. Yeah, that's another example. Like, that game also has co-op. You can play online with your friends. And it's just as effective with other people as well as playing by yourself. But I always enjoyed that game. Like, you'd be sitting there building your house or whatever, getting the materials you need, chopping down trees. But you might look over and see, like, two cannibals kind of watching you through the tree line. Yeah, they, <laughs> they will. Like, especially at night, they'll just kind of watch you, see what you're doing. <laughs> So you're just seeing this like little bit of light in the distance that they lit their like weird candle heads or whatever <laughs> they've got on their back. and Or they're in the darkness and you don't see them at all except like a little reflecting light on them. Right. Yeah, that's just another cool example of like survival horror, but it kind of takes the survival side more to the extreme because you do have to craft the resources you need. You got to go collect resources too. I mean, right. not only that, but you got to like... You can build animal traps to, like, catch some of the wildlife for food sources, go catch fish. Yeah, not only do you have to worry about dying because the cannibals can kill you, you know, you have to worry about drinking enough water, eating the food you need, and, you know, not getting hypothermia or getting too hot. <laughs> yeah, it adds a lot more aspects to it, and that's a really good thing that they've done with it. And they've also got a second game coming out. It's been delayed a couple times because they're still working on a few bugs here and there yeah. and getting it ready but we're hoping to buy next year uh january to february i hear is when it's going to be coming out so hmm. super excited for that game yeah we it's actually like with upcoming releases it looks like we have a pretty good year uh coming up even at the end of this year so like this year we're getting Callisto Protocol, which is like a spiritual successor to Dead Space. And I'm super excited for that as well. Yeah. <laughs> Cannot wait. Um, and then like we mentioned, you know, the, re the remake for Dead Space coming out early next year. We've got an expansion for Resident Evil 8 coming, which looks really good. I'm excited to play and continue like how they're continuing with... Uh the main character, and then, like, continuing with the daughter mm. years later after 8. Right. Um, they even added the original, like, third person to 8. So it's going to kind of pull out of True. the first person and do, like, <laughs> a third person. Which will be cool to experience. <laughs> It'll be good. It'll be interesting. And then, uh... The baby scene. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but that is the, like top terrifying moment i have experienced in a video game recently besides mm -hmm. like casual jump scares or shock <laughs> resident evil 8 has one super good scene throughout that's just constant terror because mm -hmm. like i said like we've said before the game itself like you always have like a lot of weapons on you and you're fighting a ton of zombies or something in resident evil 8 there's a moment where they take away that Right. And you only can walk around again. 
and you have to run and hide from a very creepy baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love it when games, like, because Alien Isolation, Dead Space, Resident Evil all have kind of that moment where even though throughout most of the game you're empowered as a player, they'll force you into a situation where you don't have the tools to survive and you kind of have to figure stuff out that way. I mean, we play these games for that experience. We play for the fun, to experience a good thrill on the edge of our seat and to kind of get that adrenaline into us sometimes to have a really good story. Yeah, like you can pose the question like why do we go out of our way to scare ourselves? And it's just like I mentioned earlier, like why do you go to to an amusement park to ride a roller coaster? You're seeking that thrill, whether it be short or dragged out that way. And horror within movies, video games, everything like that, they give you those adrenaline rushes. I just appreciate video games for going above and beyond because they're more lengthy experiences that put you into the shoes of that final survivor or, you know, the main protagonist. and Getting to experience something we particularly <laughs> would not care to actually be in the real situation for. Yeah. Like going to an <laughs> escape room, you know. You would never want to physically be that person in that situation, but video games allow you to kind of get that experience through a offhand, you know, way. Virtual reality. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, those are just the games we personally have enjoyed the most for, like, seeking out horror within video games. So if you want some good horror games for this time of the month, these are some really good ones. We've got some to look forward to coming out for next year that we can be playing again. And some future games with the Silent Hill release, you know. Right. Tons of stuff coming out. Yeah, so I mean, if you're a gamer, check them out or look forward to what's on the horizon there. But we just want to take a second to thank you guys for listening. If you made it this far, we appreciate you. Yes, we do. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Feel free to leave a review or rating for us wherever you're listening. And with that, we hope to catch you guys in the next episode. Have a good one. Spooky. (laughs) Yeah, spooky. (laughs) Happy Halloween, guys. Happy Halloween, guys. (laughs)